Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. Just wanted to bring you guys a quick podcast on this Wednesday afternoon. Got about 30 minutes, so just wanted to talk about East Carolina baseball extending its winning streak to 11 games. One of the most thrilling games of the season last night. One of the best wins for Cliff Goblin's club. We'll talk about that here shortly. Also going to play you audio from the post game with Cliff Goblin and also players Jacob Starlin and Ben Terwilliger. It was an emotional night inside Clark Blair Stadium. ECU defeats Campbell 7-6, so we'll talk about that shortly, along with the Pirates' postseason hopes. Also, we've got recruiting news. ECU picking up a transfer portal linebacker from Georgia Southern in Mike Edwards. We'll break that down after our baseball discussion. And basketball continues to fill out its roster as they get Valentino Pinedo, a native of Spain, lives in Madrid, plays for the Spain national team, and I'll tell you about him as he will be the last scholarship addition, it appears, for Mike Schwartz's first season at the helm of the Pirate basketball team. So going to bring you those notes, got some other football recruiting topics to discuss as well. Let's start with baseball. Man, this team just continues to find a way to win baseball games. 11 in a row for the Pirates, and it's been... It's been fun to watch. I mean, obviously there were a lot of growing pains at the start of the year. So many key pieces out the door from last year's super regional team that fell short at Vanderbilt. We knew there would be some growing pains. I don't think any of us envisioned maybe some of the early struggles that did occur, but give these guys credit. Give the coaching staff credit. They said all along, we have to kind of keep our head above water, figure this thing out, stay together, fight through this adversity, and eventually we will find this hot streak or really this you know this level of play that'll extend us through the course of the season get us back into the postseason so the Pirates right now 11 in a row tied for the longest winning streak in the country which is a pretty big deal still a ways away from the program record uh, which I think was set in 04 or 01 can't remember somebody help me out here I don't have it off the top of my head but a huge win last night. Look, Campbell is a very quality opponent. If you don't follow college baseball and you just see Campbell, maybe you think that they're not a quality baseball program. But this is a, a team the last few years that has really turned into one of the best programs in the state of North Carolina and really the country. They've made uh, three regionals in a row. They, of course, pushed ECU in the 2019 Greenville Regional. They actually started that that uh, conference or that tournament 2-0 ECU had to come out of loser's bracket to beat them. Uh, they were in the Mississippi State Regional last year. They can always score runs. And last night, 
and really the last few weeks, because they play in such a weak conference in the Big South, they had made the move to move one of their weekend starters to the midweek to try and get some big RPI wins. And they came into last night's game hoping to get some big RPI points and put, put themselves in position to get in at large. So they threw one of their better pitchers, not their Friday night guy, who's Thomas Harrington. He stays in the, on the weekend for now, and uh, he's a projected first-round pick. But the guy last night, uh, Kuehler or Cooler, however you pronounce it, was throwing 97-98 in the first inning. He maintained that velocity to 96 mile an hour, you know, 90-plus pitches into the game. Then they go to their closer in the seventh inning. They go to their other you know, closer, they kind of have two guys that, that lock it down in the back end, two guys with six saves. So they were throwing their best punch at ECU, and they threw their best proverbial punch in the seventh when Zach Neto, the All-American shortstop, hit what appeared to be kind of a, a momentum-changing, game-changing three-run homer to break a 2-2 tie, give Campbell a 5-2 lead. Claude Claire Stadium, which had been pretty electric all night, went kind of quiet, and you just kind of felt like, well, 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 that's the end of the winning streak. Good job, Pirates get it to 10 games, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. And instead, the Pirates just answer back right in the bottom of the seventh. They counterpunch, to me, their most impressive answer of the season. Yeah, they've had eight, ten run innings, but this, you know, the patience they showed at the start of the inning, the clutch hit by Jacob Starling, um, Starlin then racing around on the error by Neto at shortstop on Josh Moreland's slow grounder. Jacob Jenkins Cowart chopping a ball down the first base line, just getting the barrel to the ball with two strikes against a tough pitcher, making something happen. And this team, you know, we said early in the year they weren't catching many breaks. And, you know, the guys said they just had to stay to it. And eventually you, you'll make your own breaks. And we're starting to see that. Yeah. You know, they've been playing great baseball, and they're putting themselves in position to catch some breaks. So, uh, you know, that hopper down the first base line, maybe a routine ground ball if it hits the ground a little differently, but instead hops over the first baseman and turns into a two-run double. The Pirates end up winning the game 7-6. to six. Ben Terwilliger, electric out of the bullpen. He had thrown, I believe, Sunday in the weekend series. Comes back on a day's rest, goes two innings. The only Pirate pitcher to go two full innings in a staff night. Of course, because ECU wants to save its arms for Thursday's series opener against Houston, if possible. So Terwilliger ends up going 29 pitches, allowed a leadoff triple in the eighth. That run did come out, get, did come in to score on a ground out, but he struck out five of the next six batters, including the side in the ninth, let out a vicious roar or multiple roars on the mound. It was awesome to see that emotion. He picks up his third save of the season. So. You know, great night, although ECU gave up six runs. I really thought tremendous clutch pitching in multiple spots. Trey Savage in the second, inheriting a bases loaded jam, getting two punch outs in a row to get out of that unscathed. Uh, it wasn't Garrett Saylor's best night, but Zach Agnos picked him up with a huge double play ball. Then he limited the damage the next inning as Campbell got some hits. You know, Carter Spivey, of course, did give up the home run. He's been used so much lately. He just left the ball up to a, you know, arguably one of the best hitters in the country in Neto, and, and Neto barely got it out as Lane Hoover couldn't quite rob the home run. Wyatt Shinkman, the freshman, kind of gets overlooked in a game like this, but he came in with a, a runner on base, and if that run scores and it goes from 5-2 to two to 6-2, to two, then all of a sudden it really feels like an insurmountable lead if Campbell keeps adding on there. So he replaced Spivey and had some big innings. Uh, or big outs as he goes two-thirds of an inning to get his first collegiate win 
uh, as a freshman. So, you know, a ton of shorter outings, but I thought effective outings in terms of getting out of jams. And then, of course, the offense only got four hits, but, man, they were huge swings. We talked about the Jenkins Cower hit, Starlin with one of his biggest hits of his young career, and then also a pair of home runs with Josh Moylan and Ben Newton, who just continue to have quality at bat. So ECU now 11 wins in a row, quite quite a run they are on. They wrap up the regular season this week against the Houston Cougars. Again, Thursday through Saturday series, not Friday through Sunday. They do that because the conference tournament starts on Tuesday. So quick turnaround, they want to wrap this thing up on Saturday. Scheduled for 6.30 first pitch on Thursday and Friday, and then a 1 p.m. start in the season finale for the regular season on Saturday. So we caught up with head coach Cliff Goblin after the game. He had just got done doing a jungle jump. Uh, I think he was still, uh, you know, his voice was a little raspy from all the yelling and the emotion of the game, and he was a little out of breath after running through the jungle to do the jump. But here is how that conversation went with the Pirate head coach after the game. Coach, heck of a game, heck of a win tonight. How do you describe this? <clears throat> Man, they just kept fighting. Um, you know, Campbell's starter is really good. Uh, we knew that coming in. You know, they've been pitching them in the middle week for about a month because they're trying to get their RPI points up. So, really, he's a weekend guy that just pitches in the middle of the week because, you know, face Carolina, I think UNCW, um, another school, and then us. And they had their bullpen fresh. The lefty's one of their best guys, too. And, you know, fortunately, he walked a couple guys, and Star got a big swing off. And, um, you know, JC got a swing off with two strikes. It bounced over, and Terwilliger was awesome. But I thought our pitching was really good in the clutch. I mean, you know, you Savage comes in, bases loaded, gets out of a jam, doesn't give up a run. Zach comes in, uh, bases loaded, gets a double, double play ball, uh, which was huge. And um, Danny Bill was good. Gross was good. Um, Shinkman was good. You know, once Spivey, you know, left the ball up, and you know, Nato's one of the – best players in the country and you know who've almost caught it but you know didn't reel that one in and you know you thought that that was the momentum swing but our guys just kept fighting and Twiller was awesome so just proud of our guys to keep fighting uh, when you know it didn't look like it was going to be our night there at the end. When you use nine different pitchers and like you said a lot of big innings so an inning in the second is, is huge I mean is it kind of nice to be able to see what these guys can do nine different guys in various scenarios? Well we knew we weren't going to extend a lot of people because you know we're on a short week so uh, once, you know, Spivey hit, um, you know, we had got behind. Uh, definitely we are going to have him available for Thursday, so to get him out of the game. And we weren't going to pitch to Williger unless we, you know, tied it up or took the lead. Of course we did, and so he kind of came in as well. So it's just great to see. The adversity you guys face early in the season, does that prepare you all, you think, for a, a game like tonight to come back like that? Well, man, this, this team's been through more than any team I've ever coached uh, and handled it and kept their head above water. Of course, since 17, we went through a lot of stuff. We just didn't manage it very well, and I mean, that falls on me. But this group right here has stuck together and played as a unit and been selfless. And I mean, you got you know Kuchmetter telling us he could pitch, and you're like, no, you're not pitching. So, um, but it's just cool to see that everybody's pulling on the same end of the road and trying to win a baseball game. And then when y'all get down five two, it might be easy to guys go out there press at the plate swing and that guy y'all were patient to get some to get some guys on how important was that to start that? Well, we really weren't taking it was uh you know ben just you know had a really good quality at bat and then hey mike had a quality at bat um and then you know starling was taken to he got a strike and then he got a swing off and it just kept rolling the momentum just kept rolling and josh puts the ball in play with two strikes which 
you know, once again, doesn't go in the stat book. They make an error. And we were able to tie the game up and um, just kept grinding and were able to get two more runs. How about Hoover scoring from first on a ball? I mean, it was a, a double, but it just chopped in the infield and kind of got to that right spot. But obviously he read it well. And just well, I mean, he's running hard, and I wasn't going to hold him up. We're going to make him make a play with two outs. So, uh, and fortunately, who's fast and beat the throw. A month or so ago, um, you had talked about how you wanted to see a lot of these young pitchers step up and start delivering. How happy are you with the way they've um, They've done a really good job. You know, Shinkman's done much better. Um, I know Groves is a sophomore, but he's done much better. Uh, Beaker has shown flashes. You know, I, I didn't think he was as good tonight as he was last Tuesday. Um, you know, we hit a couple guys, uh, but they're coming. You know, they're just continuing to go out there and uh, continue to get better and continue to work. So that's really good to see. What, can you give it up? They don't cooch right now. Just his status. Yeah, up. he's better. He's better. So uh, you know, I, I don't think he'll be available for this weekend, which I'm sure he'll want to be. But you know, really just want to try to get him ready for the conference tournament. That's Cliff Godwin, his team now winners of 11 in a row, 35 and 18 overall. We also talked to the man of the hour, Ben Terwilliger, the pitcher, transfer from Bear University, a Division II program. I think he came to ECU to pitch in moments like this, or that's kind of what you envision when you make that move. I asked him about that and so much more after the game about channeling that emotion and what he does to really stay in the moment. Because he pitches with emotion, but you have to channel it, otherwise it can really kind of affect your, your command and, and your rhythm on the mound. Um, and then when you transferred here, did you kind of envision yourself pitching maybe moments like that? I mean, what was it like being on the, the mound? Honestly, just whatever opportunity, you know, Coach Godwin and, uh, and AK gave me was awesome, you know. Um, coming from a Division two to, like, a big division like this, it's, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. Like, just what's the emotions like? I mean, there was some, you know, jawing back and forth on both sides throughout this game. It kind of had the, the feel of a regional game almost. Uh, what, what was the emotions of it? Yeah, most definitely, no. Uh, hats off to Campbell. They're a really good team, you know. Um, we started off slow today, but we got it going. And it's, it's really good just to, to keep winning. You know, it's it's always fun to win. Yeah, I mean, as you get deeper into the season, too, you're starting to have some of these more moments where you guys are playing for a conference title, are playing against another tough team. Like, I mean, you guys have seen, seemingly able to handle all of this. Like, is it just kind of neat to be a part of that, too, and watching these guys bounce back from a you know, deficit in the seventh and you know, stuff like that? No, 100%. And credits for our offense, you know, like what you said, putting up that, that big spot, I think it was in the seventh, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that big five, six spot that, that we put up um, was really big, you know, so it gave me a little bit more confidence to go out there, you know, and since we did have that little bit of a push. When you guys fell behind, the crowd seemed to kind of energize you guys. Were you guys feeling that? Oh, no, 100%. Yeah, the crowd here is amazing, you know, and, and we live off their energy. So anytime they get everybody going, we get going too. I don't know who else was behind you maybe to throw up and just using a lot of pitchers today, but did you kind of like the idea that you had two innings in you? And oh, yeah, like no, without a doubt. You know, it's I, I just love baseball. I love playing. You know, especially in this environment, it's it's really cool. I mean, you seem to pitch with a lot of motion. How, how do you how do you channel that, but not like like kind of overtake you on the mat? I just really focus on my breathing. You know that uh, that Brian Kane we have um, coming the fall. You know, and and the breathing exercise that he does, as well as Chris Howe and, and Coach Godwin. You know, so just really taking a deep breath, like resetting yourself. You know, especially after falling back like two zero or two one. Uh, just resetting and, and going to the next pitch. That's been Terwilliger, the pitcher who got the third save of the season last night. And lastly, we talked with Jacob Starlin. Again, one for four, but he had a huge hit, two-run double that really kind of changed the momentum of the game after walks uh, from Ben Newton and Alec Makarevich. He lines one and two the right center field gap. Here's Jacob Starlin after the Pirates' victory over Campbell. 
Um, Jacob, you had one of the, the big red bats in the seventh. So a couple guy, guys got on via walks. Like, obviously you want to be patient, but also kind of wait for your pitch in that situation. What's the balance in that, that spot there? Uh, you know, I got to take first pitch, so I got to see the pitcher. Um, I was really just trying to get a pitch that I could move the runners on. Got a good pitch, got a good swing on it, brought him in. What's that emotion like when you see that, that ball hit the gap? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's hard to describe, you know. You look up, you see the crowd, everybody's up. You know, just in a drone rush. It's a good feeling. What's the mindset like when you guys go down by, I think, three runs there in the seventh? But you get it right back in the other half. But, like, you know, when you go up there with a deficit, what do you guys think of it? Um, just play our same game, you know. We try not to press. You know, we're confident in all our guys, so just keep playing our game, keep competing, and we know we can come back from any deficit. Can you feel a difference? Like, when you're saying try not to press, like maybe in the beginning of the year you're down three and you guys really want to make it up, but do you guys almost trust that it's going to come, you know, at some point? Or yeah. Know, what's the difference? You know, that's something we struggle with early in the season, and, you know, these last 20 some games, that's been a big reason why we've been, been able to win all these games. When you guys fell behind in the seventh, it seemed like everybody, uh, as it's been recently, you just kept your composure, kept the confidence. How important is it for you guys to rally around each other? It's very important. You know, it's, we need everybody in that dugout, so, you know, you never know when your name's going to be called, so, you know, it's team effort, you know. The adversity y'all faced early in the year, did that help maybe forge y'all for a night like this when you get down and maybe everybody sees that as the, the killing blow of the home run, but to come back from that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we had to look ourselves in the mirrors. We had to come together as a team and really just focus on winning the game, you know, not being selfish. Focus on the team and, you know, trying to win the game. So there's Jacob Starlin, and that is your victorious ECU Pirates. They win the game 7-6. to Again, Houston starting on Thursday. Let's take a quick look at the postseason picture. D1 Baseball and Baseball America both dropped their postseason projections today. ECU right now sitting in the top 30 in the RPI. And if you remember, we did kind of how close is ECU to an at-large bid just a few weeks ago. Uh, we did that podcast. Jonathan Wagner joined me. And really at that time, it, was, it wasn't it was even seen as a real possibility ECU could get into the top 32. Instead, so much for that. They've won 11 in a row. They're now 35-18. and 18. They sit at 29 in the RPI. They face a Houston team right now that is 88th in the RPI. The, the Cougars dropped a bad one last night in 12 minutes to Rice, which is a sub-200 RPI team. So that dropped them down from 76 to 88. So not ideal for ECU, but still a top 100 RPI opponent coming to town. You win the series. If you sweep the series, you're going to gain some RPI points for sure. But if you win it, you're at least going to hold firm, if not move up, depending on what happens around you. So uh, another important series. I think... By and large, ECU pretty much has an at-large spot wrapped up at this point. Now, if they go 0-5, get swept by Houston at home, and then go 0-2 in conference tournament play, then, yeah, maybe you're, you're on the bubble again. But, you know, as long as they don't just absolutely fall apart here over the next week and a half, which is, I guess, always a possibility in sports. You can never take anything for granted. The Pirates should be in the postseason somewhere. And based on the projections today, ECU probably looking at a two seed. D1 Baseball currently projects ECU to be the number two seed in the Blacksburg Regional at Virginia Tech. And Baseball America has the Pirates as the two seed in the Charlottesville Regional at the University of Virginia. So those are two possibilities. Again, the NCAA typically likes to keep teams in a regional, uh, I guess that is the that is the word, but they like to keep a team in a regional regional. Uh, well, that's a pretty dumb statement, but 
they like to keep the team within the vicinity of where they can bus to so they don't have to pay to fly these teams all over the country. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, of course, fall in that realm. And then Maryland is another potential host that could be a uh, possible location for ECU. And I believe Tennessee, Knoxville is right on the edge of the the, the radius of being determined by the NCAA as, as somewhere that ECU could bust to. So I still would not count out Tennessee as well. But that obviously, with the way Tennessee is, they are going to be the number one overall national seed. That's not really a draw you want to have as they are now 46-7. and seven. Whereas I think Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Maryland are all pretty favorable draws from a regional standpoint in terms of maybe having a chance to win um, and looking at things from that perspective. So uh, that's kind of my take on the regional. Again, we'll see what happens over the next week. Conference tournament plays Tuesday. We've had several people say, hey, is there any chance ECU can host? Highly, highly unlikely at this point. I mean, they're 29 in the RPI. they got to get to the top 16 range. And really, at this point, you're running out of time and games, and you don't have too many quality wins. ECU's only 3-7 and seven versus quad one teams. Um, you know, they have quality wins, but they don't have the top end quality wins, I should say. And so it's just they don't really have the resume for a hosting spot. The only scenario I could see is if they sweep Houston and then sweep through the conference tournament, then you head into the postseason with a winning streak of, of 17 games or 18 games. You've got 40-plus wins, regular season conference championship, conference tournament championship, and then maybe you put yourself on the bubble to host, but then you need some teams to fall through as well. So I still think it's a long shot. I think the Pirates just need to focus on playing, continuing to play quality baseball. Uh, the rest will take care of itself. They're playing at a level right now where they can beat anybody if they play and execute their game. So a lot to like on the baseball front. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we'll dive into some recruiting on the football and basketball fronts. Uh, you're listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back into the Hoist of Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo. And let's talk some recruiting. We talked baseball earlier. The Pirates picked up a commitment from the transfer portal, another commitment from the portal this week. As linebacker Mike Edwards from Georgia Southern made his pledge, I wrote up a VIP piece, and you can go check out a lot more if you're a subscriber on Hoist the Colors as I kind of dive into uh, 
you know, I watched some film of Edwards and two two Georgia Southern games from late last season, and I kind of break down what I saw, et cetera. But here, here's the the Cliff Notes version of it is this. You know, I don't want to give away everything in my story, but, you know, a solid addition in terms of this linebacker room needed, needed an upgrade in terms of numbers, in terms of depth, both in the short and long term. You've only got four healthy scholarship players right now at inside linebacker. Edwards will be a fifth. They're also after Chance Bates from Kennesaw State, who I hear ECU is in great shape with, should announce any day now as well. Um, I would be surprised if both these guys don't end up joining the roster in the fall. But for Edwards' perspective, played over 400 snaps last year as a true freshman. I think at times was a little in over his head. Again, he's a true freshman playing linebacker at the FPS level. It's just not easy to do. And, you know, ECU also recruited his teammate, Eldrick Robinson. He ended up a Wake Forest. And really, I watched both those guys in the Georgia Southern games I watched. And you could tell the game was moving very fast for them. But you could also see some flashes of real potential. I think Edwards, probably a little bit more of the physical player. Robinson, more athletic and a little bit more fluid uh, of an athlete. But I think Edwards can be... Uh, a quality addition to this linebacker room. He was playing more middle linebacker. I think he'll play the wheel at ECU. And, you know, he's he's not – he needs to add about 10, 15 pounds, I think, to really maximize his frame. But the biggest thing you're getting here is experience. And from a young guy who can help you in the short and long term, you're going to lose Xavier Smith and Miles Berry, two seniors after this season. You've only got a couple of underclassmen linebackers in the program now. So by adding Edwards, you're adding a guy who's going to get his feet wet in Blake Harrell's defensive scheme this year. Has a redshirt year available if he needs it. Has three years of eligibility remaining. So he could play this year, still have two years left, and really kind of grow into maybe a future starter role. So I really like uh, this pickup. I like when they add transfers that have three to four years left that have played a little bit. You kind of know what you're getting. You've got some experience. He knows how to grow from that. So I think this is a nice addition I don't think he's going to go and become an all-conference player this thing, this fall or anything like that, but just another quality addition to a roster uh, that continues to, to pick up some pieces to, to add to some depth. You're still going to see a couple more defensive backs added. Pre Washington from Buffalo, he's more of a one-year rental player as a grad transfer for, uh, who's played a ton of football, over 1,600 snaps at cornerback to help offset the loss of Jaquan McMillan. So you've got guys like that. Chance Bates would also kind of fit into that category as another inside linebacker with more experience and one year left. But I think, you know, ideally if you can add these guys with three, four years of eligibility left as transfers, they're kind of locked in. They've already used their transfer, and then they can develop in your program. And I think we're seeing a balance of that plus the one-year guys who are being added by Mike Houston's staff. Uh, Keep an eye on Kamaro Edmonds from Havelock. Four-star running back transfer, ECU, is recruiting. He visited this past weekend. I was texting with Kamara earlier today, again, recording this Wednesday. Uh, He said that he is close to making a decision and would not be surprised if it's the Pirates. Kamara Edmonds would add more depth to a running back room that is already pretty talented. Obviously, the top two guys, we know Keaton Mitchell, Rajay Harris, and then after that, you got Pop McKay, Marlon Gunn, Nemo Squire. You add Kamara Edmonds to that, and all of a sudden you got six scholarship running backs and a whole lot of competition behind Rajay and Keaton. So keep an eye on uh, Kamara. And then 
you know, again, another visit this weekend from a defensive back. We got that up on Hoist of Colors. They had a couple of DBs uh, in, and they had a DB in last week along with another recruit. We had that on Hoist of Colors as well. Edwards was the one who visited last week along with a DB recruit. So lots going on in football as the Pirates are looking to add and really close out this 2022 roster with some depth. You know, they, they feel good about the starters. It's just more about completing their roster, getting to 85, and feeling good about your, your depth across the board at multiple positions. All right, there's your update on football. Let's quickly turn to basketball before we wrap up here. ECU picks up a commitment from Valentino Valentino Pinedo, who is a native of Spain. He visited this past weekend, saw him at the baseball game with Coach Schwartz, the rest of the basketball staff, and you're getting another versatile forward here, a 6'6", 6'7", forward, played at Sunrise Christian, which is in Kansas, one of the top prep programs in the country. He was a reserve player because he was playing in the paint behind a five-star going to Duke, a four-star going to Florida State. Uh, that team is one of the top programs in the country, so no no shame in that. He got to practice against those guys every day. He's been a member of the Spain national team the last three, four years. He's gonna. I was talking to him earlier today. He's going to remain in Madrid and play for the Spain 18-and-under national team this summer, and then he's going to come to ECU in August. And so, you know, I asked him what he's going to really work on and he said it's three-point shooting, but just overall, his conditioning, his ball handling, wants to come to ECU ready to go. And you look at this recruiting class. We talked about it last week with Mike Schwartz on the podcast. No real true big guy, but you know he would rather have a 6'6", 6'7", guy who can move, who's versatile, who's a matchup problem, than a 6'10", guy who can barely move and who's kind of stuck in the paint. So that's kind of what Valentino is. You also have Ezra Osar and Elijah Jones, similar type forwards who are athletic, versatile, can handle the ball a little bit, uh, good rebounders. So I think you're going to see a different style from this ECU basketball team. You do have Luigi DeBeau returning. He's more of your traditional seven-footer, but again, doesn't offer a whole lot of versatility. You look at Pinedo, you look at Osar, and you look at Jones. All three of those guys can go play on the three-point line. They can all handle the ball a little bit, and they can all rebound in the paint. Now, you're going to be outclassed in size a little bit in the American Athletic Conference, but by the same token, you flip it to the other side of the coin. When the Pirates have the ball, those teams are going to be outmatched a little bit in terms of athleticism and versatility. They're going to have to take their 6'10 guy and decide, hey, does he chase Ezra Ostar out to the three-point line? Does he chase Elijah Jones or Pinedo out to the three-point line? So, I think you're going to see some interesting chess matches with the way this roster construction is coming together. Going to have a piece up in the coming days on really how this roster fits. Who's going to play where? What combinations could we see? Now that we got 13 scholarship players heading to the first year of the Mike Schwartz era, how is it all going to come together? We'll have that up on Hoisted Colors in the coming days. But I give Mike Schwartz credit. You know, some people have said, hey, Maybe Schwartz should have gone to the portal more. Only two portal additions in Jaden Walker and Quentin DeBunje from Tennessee and Walker from Iowa State. Both those guys have played a little bit but not a ton. In an era where everybody's going through the portal, ECU with Mike Schwartz decides to go heavy on freshmen and JUCO recruits. Six of the eight signees are freshmen or JUCOs, five of which are freshmen. 
So the majority of your class, incoming freshmen, Pirates feel like they're getting some stills there. Time will tell how it all works out, but Schwartz does feel, as he said on the podcast last week, that he can build a program here, and that is his hope. So looking forward to the season, and we'll continue to break down basketball uh, in the coming days as we get closer to the fall and the winter. All right, that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. Again, just wanted to jump on here real quick and give you guys a recruiting update while I had some time and also um, talk about some Pirate baseball. I feel like we had to discuss this 11-game winning streak somehow. And going to try to get a regional projection slash postseason podcast going before the field comes out. I'm not sure if that'll be before or after the conference tournament. I would ideally like to save it until after ECU's time the conference tournament is done. The problem is there's such a quick turnaround if the Pirates end up making it to the semifinals or championship game. But we'll see. We'll keep you updated. We'll have some sort of preview. And then we'll have another podcast after the field is announced as well. Going into the postseason, depending on where ECU is, should be a lot of fun. And this Sunday, going to have another fresh edition of the Hoist of Colors podcast as well as we wrap up the regular season for baseball. And I think there will be some more recruiting news, especially on the football front, between now and then. We're also going to have our latest edition of the Port of Call, Buck Wild 17. One of our more interesting posters on Hoist of Colors is scheduled to join us on Sunday. So looking forward to bringing you guys that. All right, that'll do it again for the Hoist of Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo. We will talk to you next time. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 